You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers fall yet again to the Syracuse Orange, 112 to 110, in what was truly a double overtime thriller and a classic game and all of those things. But all I'm feeling here as we're just minutes after the buzzer is just frustration and disappointment because, damn it, we had them. You know, this was a game where Indiana played so bad in the first half, so bad, and it looked like just another one of those Syracuse games where Indiana didn't show up, and whatever deal with the devil that we had to make for Keith Smart to hit that game winner was just, you know, going to continue on. And in the second half, Indiana, the fight that they showed through the first 12 minutes to come back and, and, and get the game back, that's something that we haven't seen from an Indiana team in a game like this on the road in a long time. And to fight back the way that they did and to make so many big plays, but then to have such critical errors, not getting a shot off at the end of the first overtime, whatever that was on defense at the end of the second overtime, the turnovers, my God, the turnovers. I mean, we left a really big win on the court in the Carrier Dome. And so there's a lot to like, I think, about the fight and some of the individual plays that we saw tonight. But this game was always going to be a reality check for Indiana early in this season. The first game against a real opponent on the road. And the reality is, there's a lot to like about this team. I think there's a really good foundation, but there is a long way to go. And we're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. You know, and there's a lot of places that we could go for the banner moment. You know, I'm not sure that you could pick out one moment for Miller Cop. He did so many great things tonight. Uh, for Indiana, a lot of those could be the banner moment. Um, but I think, you know, going back to the end of regulation, it's got to be Trace Jackson Davis stepping up and hitting those two free throws to send the game to overtime. You know, not only <laughs> was it Trace Jackson Davis hitting two clutch free throws, free throws have been such a bugaboo for him, but just the fact that he was out there because, you know, mere minutes earlier, as he's writhing away in pain on the court, the entire season is flashing, you know, before everybody's eyes. And, you know, when he checked in again with about two and a half minutes to go, you know, you're, you're thinking, okay, he's coming back in, but what's he going to look like? And he ended up scoring, you know, he had two or three dunks down the stretch, hit those free throws. You know, I thought in the first half, Indiana kind of followed Trace's energy. You know, he didn't, he put up some numbers, but he didn't have his usual energy in the first half. And I thought in the second half, and especially in the first overtime, he was the Trace Jackson Davis that this team needs. And to step up and hit those two free throws with the game on the line, to send it to overtime. That was huge. That was an all-American play by Trace Jackson Davis. Unfortunately, again, the turnovers and some of the bad decisions did this team in. But, you know, on balance, it was another spectacular performance from Trace uh, and, you know, doing it in different ways because free throws have been a big issue, but he hit some big ones uh, tonight for Indiana. So he gets the banner moment. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, now in their fifth season, sponsoring the Assembly Call and their first as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network. And, you know, as you think about what Christmas presents to get for your loved ones, make sure that your online shopping includes a trip to homefieldapparel.com. For the IU fans in your life, Homefield has the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. 
And for fans of other college teams, Homefield probably has something for them too, considering their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools. I'm pretty sure Coach has at least one item from all 120 schools. Uh, and they've got unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it will be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through the Kelly School. I mean, come on, what could be better than that? So a win over Syracuse, that would be better than that. But otherwise, uh, go to homefieldapparel.com, use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Damn it. All right. Time to move the ball. Find the open man. Get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Coach, we'll go with you. Coach's corner. Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Yeah. Um, tough game tonight. I, I don't think Indiana executed uh, very well in the first half, and that's ultimately when the game was lost. Um, you know, and, and mistakes uh, should go to everyone who played and the coaching staff and all of that. Uh, but this isn't like game one for me. Um, I thought the the response in the second half, the adjustments made in the second half were tremendous. Uh, I thought Indiana was obviously the better team. They didn't play like it in the first half. Uh, I thought there was a few things that I would ask Coach Woodson about, um, uh, a zone alignment in the first half, but they fixed that in the second half. And then I thought, uh, obviously, the last play is going to be on everyone's mind and everyone's going to you know be upset about that, running the double. Um, you don't know if that was called. Uh, I would disagree if that was a call. Uh, that was a freshman who I thought was lost defensively quite a bit tonight, uh, probably thinking they were still in the same defense that they were when they were, were down four or five. The, this, this program's in good hands. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of stuff in the chat mob about the honeymoon's over and all that. I, I, I just think that's crap. Um, th this program's different. Uh, this was not a good performance. Uh, there's a lot of things that went wrong, and we'll talk about them, but this, this team is in good hands. This program is in good hands. It's about to turn around. And most of the time, I'll remind people that most people picked a 10-1 non-conference uh, record, and this was the game that we were going to lose. It just hurts a little more when uh, just a couple small things fixed, uh, and Indiana would have won the game. So tough. We'll talk about it, uh, but, but not the end of the world. Well, Ryan, as soon as we got on here to get this show started, you were already ranting. So why don't you do it for the people now? Uh, you know, I got three points I want to hit in this rant. Uh, the first one is it makes absolutely no sense in a tie game with a few seconds left to be trapping. But you can pick up full court man, you know, uh, on the ball carrier to make him take his time up the court. But it makes no sense to have everybody pick up full court. And it makes no sense to try and run a trap. And what that led to was a give and go for Syracuse, which is what you are susceptible to on a trap. And, and give Syracuse credit for spotting it. And they had a guy sprinting right at the hoop, get the ball and shoot it. And, and he, he missed the shot, but he was fouled and he was clearly fouled. And I don't blame Christian Lander for the foul at the end. He was out of position defensively because of the alignment that they were in. Uh, if, if that was not something that Mike Woodson called, then he's got a problem because his team was not listening to him. If it was something he called, it's an even bigger problem because when you are tied, you do not trap. When you're down, you do. You absolutely run a trap. You get a foul. If you can't if you can't contain the guy, you run, you get a foul, whatever. That was asinine. It was a stupid move, and it led to, again, a reliable player and an incredible free throw shooter sprinting free to the basket to where Lander had to recover, and he was in position and had to foul. He was out of position and had to foul him. That's my first thing. I, I want to hear 
Was that right? Or did Tamar Bates freelance or or whatever? Uh, either way, it's a problem. It's a real problem because it shows very little basketball IQ in that situation. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is Parker Stewart. When Indiana's up two, fouls someone 90 feet from the basket in a, in a situation where he didn't even have to be there. It was a rebound and he's standing in front of the guy. And how often do they call that foul? Every single time you're a guard on a big man just trying to harass him a little bit you foul him Syracuse comes down makes both free throws in the middle of an 8-0 run that swung the game back to Syracuse's control that's just stupid like Parker's a veteran that's just stupid stuff and then he fouled Buddy Bayheim on the on the next play and fouled out we needed Parker Stewart in that game you need him late you need his three-point shooting ability and he gave up a foul for a stupid reason no, there's no way you're stealing the ball there. You're just not like, what are you doing? Back off. You know, they're going to call a foul. If you go anywhere near that guy and he, he not only went there, he stayed there and continued to sort of swat at the ball, gets a foul call and then looks and shrugs at the official. Like what I do. And it's like, you did a stupid thing. That's what you did. And, and it's just, it's like, you need that guy on the floor late to help spread the floor. And that's why it was harder to get the ball to Trace Jackson Davis in the post after he was out because they do not respect Tamar Bates as a three-point shooter yet. That's why it was so difficult to get points later because Parker Stewart wasn't on the floor to spread it along with Miller Cop. The last thing I'll say, this team needs to play better out of the jump. If they play average in that first half, they win this game easily. They were down 16 at the break and turned the ball over 13 times in the first half. They had no idea how to attack that zone. None. One of, Syracuse made one adjustment. They they slid Buddy Beheim up from the bottom of the 2-3. They slid him up to the free throw line to guard it a little bit. There are easy adjustments to that. You cut guys through instead of having them stop at the free throw line. You have somebody come up and set a back screen on him and cut somebody across. There are easy adjustments. Mike Woodson did not make any adjustments in the first half. And whether he was trying to or not, it didn't come out on the floor. The team was turning the ball over because they had no idea what to do with the ball. They would drive it. The other thing they would do, and this drives me nuts, this team's been doing this all the year. They drive into the crowd in the paint, and instead of throwing a solid pass, they'll kind of shovel it to a guy a couple feet from them instead of throwing a solid pass. If you cannot throw a hard pass, like solid pass to somebody, you shouldn't be passing to them. Throw it over the top if you're going to Trace Jackson Davis. Do not put the ball on the floor in a crowd. We talked about this during the Archie Miller era, but even the new players are doing it now. Little shovel or a little bounce pass in traffic never works. You might get one out of 20 to work. So this team needs to be, and the other thing is defensively, it seemed like they had no idea that the Bayheims could shoot. They were playing two feet off of them, not playing up on them. And the guys were just nailing threes in the first half. Gerard as well. It's it, This team needs to have an idea what it's supposed to do. And I felt that way in the Marshall game at times too. They need to have an idea who they're playing and, who, and, and what to do against certain guys. And they had no clue in the first half. None. And they were down 16 at the break. And, and they didn't deserve to be in the game. And they, they fought back. Credit to them for fighting back. I, I absolutely agree. The adjustments made at halftime were great, and they fought back, and this team has a lot of heart. Not disagreeing with that. But the way it started was inexcusable. This team did not look ready to play. They looked terrible on both sides of the court, and that needs to change. And that's on that's on the team leaders, and it's on the coaching staff to get these guys ready to play. At the 11-minute mark, um, he went to 1-4 across. At the 9-minute mark, he went to a ball screen action. And at the 8-minute mark, he put two post players down on the block uh, all in that first half, and it resulted in turnovers and missed shots. 
So there were Ryan adjustments in the first yes, half. Yes, and it just minor, didn't work. There were minor um, adjustments. Maybe it was the wrong adjustments, but to say there were no adjustments no. by a coach is ridiculously wrong. Well, here's the thing: he did make Sorry. adjustments. The problem is the obvious adjustment. I got it written down. The obvious adjustment is to do what they did in the second half and work Grace Thompson in the high low and move him to the side so that lower guy doesn't come up. They did not do that at all, not once. And yeah, they but they had talked about it at halftime and figured it out. That happened sometimes I'm on the fly. The it's a little bit at halftime, coach. He did. It was a this good was job. This was an execution problem by the players, I and do not there was one thing where they had an odd man front against that one three one look, where I would have gone to a two man front. And they talked about it. They decided not to go to a two-man front. They decided to go to a four across at halftime. So they did make that adjustment at halftime. That's something I didn't necessarily agree with early in the first half. Uh, and then I thought, yeah, the stuff at the end of uh, of overtime was questionable too. So, yeah, the, there's some things that coach has to own, own as well. But this was just a case of the guys coming out and not quite understanding how hard the zone was, how lengthy it was and how good those guys were as shooters, and they need to be better to start the game. If they're it, five it, points better, they win the game. It looked it, like it, they were surprised at what Syracuse was Sky falling. It. It's like Syracuse has done the same thing for the last, what, 30 years, and it looked like they were surprised to be facing it. it I get there was an adjustment to the zone. They probably didn't practice against that, but it's not a hard thing to figure out. You run. As you said, he made some adjustments. They didn't work, and he didn't make the one that was the obvious one. And and so – I. I it just it felt like the team was not ready to play, and I I can't I can't and and the players that's on the players that's on the leadership that's on that they fought Look, back. Credit they, to their they, leaders for fighting back and working very hard in the second half and in overtime. You lose in overtime like they did, it's a coin flip. I like that was a good game, but yes. you got yourself Look, let, in such a hole in the first half. Let's be careful. Look, we're all really disappointed. You know, this is the the joy and the danger of doing this show is the emotions are really raw afterwards. And you guys saw me when I came over. I felt devastated when they lost that game. I feel gutted for how much effort they put into it to lose. And, you know, Ryan, I think, look, coach had it written down on a piece of paper. Okay, <laughs> if it's written down on coach's paper, I saw the adjustments. But, but to your but 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 to Ryan's point. You know, look, the very first possession of the game, Parker Stewart just gets the ball and throws it out of bounds. So they weren't ready to play. And I think to a certain extent, that was somewhat predictable, given it's their first time on the road and they're playing a really weird defense and they didn't get into a rhythm quickly enough. And, you know, two guys who really didn't get into a rhythm quickly enough were Trace and Race, who were turnover machines. Now, look, they put up huge stats, 31 points for Trace, 17 for Race. They had 28 rebounds between them. Dominated they the got it going. This team in the second half, when they realized, hey, two things to beat the zone. You got to get the ball inside the zone. And you've got to be decisive when you get it. You have to know where the ball's going. Where Indiana got in trouble is when they hesitated. And then Syracuse was able to do what Syracuse does and force turnovers. Look, they didn't do as well as we would have wanted against the zone. But and, and, and we'll get into the turnovers because the turnovers were unconscionable. 26 turnovers, you're just not going to beat many teams on the road. And I think the source, the major source of disappointment, as I think we all believe in our heart of hearts, that Indiana is better than Syracuse. I think we all believe that, but we just, you know, a lot of those turnovers credit to their defense, but a lot of that stuff was just unforced and and not ready for what we were going to see. But we have to, in this first segment, talk about Miller cop because he was awesome tonight. 
Miller Cop, who this is what you I'm, expect Miller Cop to be, right? Well, you know, Miller Cop struggled the first few games of the season, but I think he was injured and he looked healthy tonight. And I think he was the one guy in the first half who came out and looked like he was playing with purpose offensively. I would have liked to see Indiana, especially when Race Thompson was struggling to just be functional offensively. I would have loved to see Indiana move Cop to the four and put him inside because he was decisive with his decisions they, they and he can make and he can make that little that little shot. But he hit so many shots in the second half that kept Indiana alive and just kept him in it. His hustle at the end. This was, and he played 48 minutes tonight. So I want to just tip my cap to Miller Cop because he was, you know, he was terrific tonight, coach. And, yeah. you know, look, you know, Trace hits the big free throws and, and obviously Parker hit a bunch of threes. But Miller Cop, time and again, it felt like every single shot he hit was monumental. There were two late in the second half. One, I think, when it was 77-70, he hit a two. There was another one when Syracuse went up four, and it looked like they were about to go on a little run, and he hit a three to stop it. He was doing it all night long. And if this is the Miller cop that we're going to get in big games, that's going to be huge for this Indiana team. And that, to me, is one of the most important developments from tonight. And the three Miller, free throws at the end Miller, that he knocked down, ice cold. Miller Cop does what Miller Cop can do. He he's always going to struggle a little bit with his lateral move on defense and guarding people off the bounce, and that was that's going to be exposed all, all year long. But he fights and he fights and he fights. Um, they did go to that lineup once, and Miller got a, a a shot at the free throw line, but on the other end there wasn't two bigs, and we gave up on two straight possessions, offensive rebounds. Yep. So there's that give and take. Uh, yeah. I, I agree when, with you. I, I thought that, that line. That, yeah. Um, well, was that when Trace was the out? I, they get they sat Trace at one point. I think. Yeah, yes, I, I forget the 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 time on that. So, man, I thought that was a good suggestion. I saw you you say that on Twitter, and I said, yeah, I even thought maybe playing Rob and X in the second half might have been a, a good adjustment because of the defense that Rob was playing. I, I don't think Syracuse attacked this as well when Rob was out there. I don't know if he was on a limit, and then someone said he might have tweaked his back on the on that drive when he it looked like he, he got made hurt. a bad decision. Uh, that he, he got hurt again, and that's why Christian came in. But we need Miller Cop to shoot, uh, and really his pull-up game is nice. Uh, but the key play for Miller Cop was when he battled and battled and battled for that rebound, fell down, and took a timeout. Uh, Miller Cop will do the little things, and we got to keep remembering that when he does get blown by yeah. by quicker guys uh, with the ball because that's just who he is. Uh, but but he's a fighter, and uh, you know it was nice um, to see him hit some shots and score some points, and and again, as frustrating as this is, because I, I do think Syracuse, we just ran into a team that had gotten beat two or three times in the Bahamas and came back and got a little butt chewing from their coach and was at their home court and really was focused in, at the beginning. And Indiana wasn't focused uh, at, at the beginning, and that cost Indiana the game. But boy, good to see Miller Cop. Hope that continues. If he and Parker Stewart can do some of that. Now, again, you're getting open shots against the zone because um, that, that defense wasn't good that, that we played that. You know, so you're getting open shots. A lot of people will be in the face of those two uh, going forward. So I don't know that it'll always be 20 some, 25, 26 points. But boy, uh, hats off to that young man uh, for what he brings to our program. Yeah, you know, Cop, the, the, wait, wait, let me let me say something on Cop first. Is is I, I think that when you bring in a guy like Cop from the transfer portal. This is exactly what you're looking for. And and again, I'm not expecting him to get 28 points every game or anything, but he. Take makes smart decisions with the basketball. He takes smart shots. He gets himself open. He hunts areas to get open. He doesn't create bad angles for passers. He moves to a good angle to make sure he gets the ball and can catch it correctly instead of hanging out maybe in the corner where there's a defender sort of nearby and creates a, a potential turnover. He knows how to play the game of basketball. 
and and to you know six of seven from the free throw line, four of nine from three. He and you know Parker combined to be ten of twenty one from three. Indiana needs that and is going to need that. Not every game. They're not going to need ten threes from those two guys every game, but they're going to need that shooting ability to at least scare teams into laying off of Trace Jackson Davis. You want to know why Trace Jackson Davis is having a much easier time scoring in the post this year than he was last year? There are guys around him who can hurt you from the perimeter. That's that's why he's better. Obviously, he's developed, but there's more room for him to operate. It's obvious looking at it and the offense is spread out more. But Miller Cop, I mean, you can't say enough about what he did tonight. He kept Indiana in the game at, at, at certain parts and, and was was brilliant. Okay, I want to talk about Race Thompson, but we're going to do it off the top of the of the next segment. So coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's crushing 112-110 loss to Syracuse, I'll point out tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. I'm guessing turnovers will be mentioned. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives... There's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. You are listening to the assembly call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. We are breaking down Indiana's double OT loss to Syracuse. And guys, it is time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. Meaningful moments that you might have missed. So I want to go back to the first half uh, when everything was just going wrong for Indiana uh, in a half that just felt so reminiscent of so many Syracuse games that we've seen uh, since 1987. And I want to talk about Race Thompson. And there was a play, I think Indiana was, I don't know, I think they were down, they were down 11, uh, you know, but it kind of felt like, okay, you know, if you can get this to single digits, you can start making a run. And Trace had two chances down low, and he short-armed both of them, and he missed them. And Syracuse goes right down on the next possession, hits a three-pointer, it's a five-point swing, boom, it's a 14-point game. 
Now, Miller Cop would come back and hit a three on the next possession, but that just highlighted how big of a missed opportunity it was for Race's bucket the, you know, on the previous possession because you really could have started to make a run. And a couple possessions later then, Race got the ball, went up strong, got fouled, and scored, which was much better. And this, to me, Ryan, was indicative of what we saw from Race tonight, which is you know he had some really good moments tonight. And I will say that despite how bad he was in the first half, I'm glad that Mike Woodson stuck with him because he played better in the second half. He played better in the overtimes. And he also had no choice because Jordan Geronimo was a disaster in the first half and you couldn't put him back on the court. But the problem with race tonight, and I think the big disappointment, and what you expect more from, from a guy who's been around as much as he has, is just how passive he was with the ball. And again, you're playing against a defense that you don't play that often, and this is what Syracuse does. They make you indecisive, you know, they they force you to kind of be thinking, overthinking about what you're doing offensively, and as soon as you hesitate, they've got a trap on you, and a turnover's coming. But yeah. Race just had so many times where it just seemed like he didn't see the court, and even when he did see the court, he was hesitating, and he just couldn't get out of his own head. And... You know, look, when when you have a game like this, you know, I saw some people in the chat, you know, race gave the game away. Look, you can say that about a lot of guys. A lot of guys made mistakes tonight. You They're know, also you win, not in it late. You lose as a team. Yeah, and he made some big plays late, but it is true that his turnovers were killer, and he had yes. the most of them, and a lot of them seemed preventable if he would just, you know, it's, it's one of those things. He needed to be more patient but more decisive, if that makes sense. Like there were times he needed to see what was happening and know what he was going to do with the ball before he got it. And it felt like too often he was getting it without an idea of what he was going to do, but then he was rushing once you know the trap would come or someone would get around him. And it was just off sync. And I think in a game like this, you know, you got to get more from Race Thompson. Unfortunately, it just came too little too late. Yeah, and and here's the thing, Coach, you'll know, about this when guys get in a rut passing the ball they guide the ball instead of snapping it off and he was guiding the ball all night I mean these are passes that we've seen Ray Thompson make a million times and it was almost like he had the yips you know a guy would be wide open it was almost like he was overthinking and we just kind of guide it and be a soft pass Syracuse guy comes in and grabs it you know one of his turnovers was you know Xavier Johnson threw a ball way ahead of him and he he, he tried to save it and it went right to a Syracuse guy I mean so it's really seven because you gotta you gotta blame that one on X but the, you know, the rest of it, I mean, he really was struggling. I mean, one of them was was silly. He got an offensive rebound and he got it in traffic and there was a Syracuse guy hanging on his arm and his instinct, he was under the basket, offensive basket, and his instinct was to put the ball on the floor. Like if you're a big man, you get a ball on the block in traffic, you never put the ball on the floor. And he put the ball on the floor, it got knocked away and he tackled Swider and it was a foul and they went down and shot free throws. And I think Swider hit one of them. That was about two minutes left or something. It was just, he just wasn't, locked in tonight for most of the game. And and I don't know what it was. Maybe it's a cross-country flight. Maybe he didn't like the bed at the at the hotel. I don't know. But he just seemed like he wasn't locked in for most of the night. Now, again, people saying that this game is, is race's fault. I mean, in the second half, late the second half of the second half, you know, the, the last 10 minutes and, and overtime, without his passing to Trace Jackson Davis, you're not even in the game. And nobody else was doing it. I mean, no, and nobody else was in that position and, and and making those passes and making those reads and getting the ball to trace to where he could take over the game. So uh, he was he was the reason, part of the reason for the big comeback. But also, yes, those turnovers are inexcusable for a guy who's a veteran like that, who we've seen make those plays over and over and over again. It just seemed like he had some mental block tonight with his passing on the offensive end. It was it was really hard to watch at times. 
Coach, what stood out for you from race or other meaningful moments? Here's the ultimate thing. I thought it was one of his worst performance overall, and he almost had a triple double. <laughs> that, that'll he almost just had a quadruple you. double. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that just tells you, you know, how, how solid this young man is. And everyone's going to have an off night at some point. He missed a couple layups at the rim, um, things that normally race doesn't do, uh, and it's just unfortunate in a double overtime, two point loss type of game uh, that he had that kind of performance. Um, you know, he'll, he'll clean it up that, that, you know, we, Indiana had seven, uh, was it 17 or 15 turnovers from the posts, their fours and fives. Um, that, 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 that's just, again, the, the zone that Syracuse runs is not necessarily good, but it's long. Uh, and, and if you don't make quick decisions, uh, then that length is going to tip a pass. If it's not, as Ryan said, thrown with pace, you, you want to make quick decisions and throw with pace. When Race did that, he was efficient. When he didn't, he made a lot of mistakes. Uh, and the thing is, he's been in a, he's going to be put in a position to make a lot of mistakes too. That that's something that that I would like uh, fans to to realize too is that when you play the minutes you do as a young man like Race, and you are going to touch the ball almost every time in the high post. Um, a, a good game, you're going to have three or four turnovers against this kind uh, kind of defense. So you know I. The, the game was lost by everyone who wore an Indiana uniform and the coaching staff. Um, some players played better than others. Uh, no one in particular ever loses a game. I'll just state that. Uh, I hope everyone can just take a deep breath and take a sip of their beer or whatever and realize that this the program lost tonight. Uh, Race had a bad night, especially in the first half. Uh, but w Geronimo wasn't uh, capable of playing in this game. And so, uh, yeah, I, you know, Race will bounce back, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna be fine. Yeah, you know, one other uh, moment that I thought was really big. You know, I thought Trace Jackson Davis had a ton of moments in the second half that were huge, um, and there was one in particular where you know Indiana went up sixty three to sixty, and I think it was on a Miller Cop three pointer, and you're feeling good, and Syracuse immediately goes on a five zero run, makes it sixty five sixty three. And kind of one of those moments where it feels like if they do something else good, the crowd's really going to get into it. And it's the kind of moment that for the past four years, it's always felt like has gone against Indiana and things have started to snowball. And after a really uneven, you know, first half, I thought Trace was really ready for the moment. There was this really slow possession where just absolutely nothing is happening. It took us 25 seconds to get the ball inside the three-point line. And we finally did, and Trace was basically just like, F it, and just took a couple dribbles, shot clock running down, and just found a way to score. And then he runs down the court with the shh sign, you know, and whether you like that or not, whatever. But it was a huge basket I where he basically it. just said, like, I'm, look, I'm, guys, I'm going to take this. Let's go. And then he goes down and gets a block on the other end that ended up leading to a run out uh, for Rob Finnessy and, you know, snatched that momentum away. And, you know, those are the kind of plays in the second half that I was really impressed with Indiana. In the first half, they couldn't do it. You know, when they had a chance to cut into the lead, Syracuse would, you know, get a bucket and they just kept him at arm's length. And then time and again in the second half, Indiana was able to make those plays, whether it was, you know, Trace just doing what he needed to do to get a bucket, Miller Cop hitting a big shot. And so for all the frustration with this game tonight, coach, and I, I get it, like we all feel it. You know, the, the thing that I think is probably the most important to take away from this, you know, win or lose, as we try to figure out, like, what is the character of this team? You know, what do we know about this team? I think what we saw tonight is a team that really fights together and believes in itself. You know, they played like crap in the first half and they didn't roll over. Like how many times 
you know, in recent memory, have we seen a first half like that and the second half is just, you know, just kind of a run to the finish line. Let's just play this out. And this was not that at all. Again, Syracuse, not a great team, but they were making shots and playing pretty well tonight. But this team really fought, believed in itself, overcame adversity. And so, you know, I don't think you're not going to take moral victories from this, but that's a positive about this team that is different, that I really liked. And just viscerally, as I was watching it, I found myself believing in them too. And that was good to feel about this team. And I think maybe in January or February when Tamar Bates is a little bit more mature and Christian Lander is able to give you the good moments without the bad ones, this is a game Indiana wins. They just weren't ready to get it done tonight, and that is really disappointing. But I saw the seeds of a team that's going to be a lot better down the stretch, and that makes me feel good coming out of it. Jared, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, in years past, when there was a scoring drought, there was a second scoring drought. Or you had a lead, you lost a lead at the six-minute mark, and the game just went and got away from you quickly. That four-minute stretch or three-minute stretch at, at the under-eight timeout in the second half, where it was down to one, and then it ballooned up again. And to see an Indiana team fight back at the end, uh, down six, six to 80 and find a way uh, to stay in the game and win on an offensive rebound and two clutch free throws. And then it's a couple times in the overtime when they got a lead, gave it up, got a lead, gave it up. That does not excuse the poor decision-making, the, 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 the overhelping on defense that we haven't talked about yet, uh, the inability to guard the bounce, the turnovers, uh, and, and again, some of those, uh, you know, the decision to trap or not trap, whoever's decision that was. Those are mistakes that good programs don't make. Uh, and Indiana is what they are right now. They're a new program, a lot of people together, lots of good pieces, a really good coaching staff, and this was a learning experience, and it just sucks that, that it has to be a loss. But I agree with you. I, I, this this feels different. Um, this feels uh, – I don't want to get ahead of the game, but, you know, when I started watching in the late 70s and early 80s, you just expected to win every night. I had that feeling at halftime. I told my son Brent – uh, he goes, well, on to the next one. We got to win Notre Dame. And I said, hey, we're not out of this one yet. Uh, I, I got a feeling that coach is going to do something. We're going to get back. And we tied the game. And, and I felt that way right up until the last 30 seconds of the or the last trap uh, there uh, at the end of that, that game. That's a good feeling ultimately to have as a fan of, of a college basketball program. Uh, we're going to win a lot, a lot of these uh, and, and learn from it. So I agree with you. I think, it, it uh, again, moral victories are horrible. You play to win the game uh, type stuff, and uh, that that's important to remember. We're not here trying to make excuses for the bad things, but uh, it feels different to me, and, and that's why I'm not all game one, you know, resting whatever face everyone said I was uh, about the program. Disappointed, yes. Uh, in, enthused about watching basketball uh, again in, in Indiana uniform, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Good point. We're adults here. We've been around the block. We can hold conflicting opinions in our mind. It's a bad loss, and yet there were some good things that you can take out of it that could yeah. project well for the future. Like, yeah. it's just, it's complicated sometimes, you know? Yeah, and and look, I mean, there are encouraging things that came out of this. This team clearly believes it can win games. I mean, it, it's, it doesn't fold up the tent and walk away like you saw last year. There were three times in this game. One was just at halftime, but there were three times in this game where Indiana could have just said, all right, on to the next one. One was very late in the in regulation where Trace Jackson Davis made that play to uh, get the rebound, get fouled, and, and make those free throws. Late, hey, Miller Cop trying to fire up that three, getting fouled and hitting three free throws at the end. Like they could have just run down and fired up a wild shot. They actually got it to one of their shooters. He shot it. You know, I mean, there are there is evidence. And look, the way they started the second half, it wasn't 
like some crazy run where th- crazy things were happening. It was methodical. They just went down, executed their offense, and were scoring, and were coming back in it. They hit some threes. Parker Stewart knocked down some shots. It like, just seems crazy when you string together three-pointers, because it's like, what the hell is that? Ex- yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't... 40%, you know, it wasn't some, 40% <laughs> on the night. It wasn't some up-and-down running 40. thing where Syracuse was turning the ball over. They just played solid defense and hit some shots. Like It, it was a very simple formula, and then once... They started overplaying on Parker. They start going back inside. Like it was a very simple formula and they executed it perfectly. And all of a sudden it's a four point game and Syracuse made it six and then they made it three and then Indiana made it three and you just chip away. It just shows what this team's capable of. And, and, and the fact that they clearly believe we're not out of games when we're down 16 and throwing the ball all over the gym. And that is a huge positive moving forward. And that's, because of Mike Woodson and what he's instilled in them. Absolutely 100%. It's a different program than it was a year ago. There are still some of the same bugaboos at, at times that show up, but it's also, you know, it takes time to completely change a culture and change the way these guys play. But I will say that that is the most encouraging thing about this. It wasn't the three-pointers. It wasn't the free throws. It wasn't the, you know, the rebounding, which they annihilated Syracuse on the boards. The most encouraging thing was just the effort and focus to get this game back in the second half. Those They deserved to be in the game in the second half. They outplayed Syracuse completely in the second half. And and you, then you get to overtime, and it's it's honestly in most overtimes are a 50-50 proposition. You have one bad possession, and you, you, wind, you wind up on the back foot and losing. And um, they were still fighting all through those overtimes, no matter how tired they were. So that is incredibly encouraging heading forward. Syracuse is a very difficult team to play, and that is a very difficult building to play in. And Indiana fought and could have given up and did not. So the that's the kudos to those guys and kudos to the staff for having them believe that they're in every game, regardless of how far they're down. You know, I want to, before we move on to inside the numbers, uh, Really good tweet from Galen. Uh, he and Jay uh, were actually at the game tonight. Galen says, well, that may be one where we don't fully understand the implications for another three weeks or so. I think that's really true. I think we'll, we're going to look back on this game probably in one of two ways, where it's like, oh, man, boy, that was a harbinger of things to come, wasn't it? You know, if the team doesn't fix its turnovers, if they struggle to come out and play well in the first halves on the road, you know, we'll be able to say like, well, we kind of saw that in the Syracuse game. But if they do fix those things and we kind of see this fight and they start winning these close games, we'll say, boy, you saw the seeds for that with that comeback against Syracuse. So I think you can take, there's two different kind of routes that you can take. I think both of them are reasonable. I would urge you to do your best to hold both thoughts in your head. And then let's just see where this goes. You know, it's not all bad. It's not all good. You know, there was just, you play a double overtime game like that, it, but it was a fun basketball game, you know, like yeah, outside oh, of the, just, outside of white like knuckling every- it. We were living and dying with every shot. It's not yes. that fun, you know? Yeah. I mean, you uh, see your All-American go down and think he may have a season-ending knee injury to him making the free throws to set you overtime. I mean, yeah. there were just so many moments. But and, and, and one more thing is I do want to say that when you are on the road in overtime, the game massively favors the home team because officials are susceptible to the crowd. And so I, I will say that when you go to overtime on the road, you expect to lose that game. I mean, you, you just do. And, and, and as it happened, what was it? A two point game on the road. One play is the difference at the end. That's kind of what you expect. So to be super disappointed in the overtime. Yeah. They made mistakes and there are things that were probably fixable and there's better things they could have done. But once you go to overtime, 
you know, if you lose, you, you lose in overtime. It's not that bad. The, the key was that they came back and fought in that second half and, and, may, and put themselves in a position where one shot doesn't fall and maybe they win it. So, All right, guys, let's go inside the numbers now. This uh, segment sponsored by the Power Rank, where our friend Ed uses data and analytics to make accurate uh, football and college basketball predictions. By the way, Ed... A Michigan man. He's a big Michigan fan. Congrats to him on uh, finally getting that big first victory for Jim Harbaugh over Ohio State. I know he's happy about that. Uh, Ed also writes an incredible March Madness guide every year, and we are going to have a special offer for you on that once March rolls around, so be on the lookout for that. For now, if you want sports betting advice with a PhD Edge, or if you just like understanding sports at a more analytical level, you should subscribe to Ed's free newsletter. Go to thepowerrank.com slash AC to subscribe. That's thepowerrank.com slash AC. All right, guys, I want to dissect some numbers that tell the story of this game. That's what we normally do. But I actually want to pick out a couple of numbers that tell a really important macro story about this team right now. And there are a couple of trends that have to get reversed quickly if this team is going to avoid similar losses to this. So one is a number that we've already talked about, and that is Race Thompson's turnovers. He had seven turnovers tonight. And it would be easy to kind of hand wave that away and say, well, this is just Syracuse. This is a one game thing, except for the fact that coming into tonight, Race's turnover percentage was double the highest it's ever been in his career. And I think so far what we've seen is a guy who has a little bit more freedom. He has some more offensive responsibility, and that's good. And I think we've all wanted that for him. But as this season goes on, he's got to get more comfortable with it and stop turning the ball over because he plays too many minutes and has the ball in his hands too much to be giving away that many possessions. And he's better than that. So that's one. And the other one is one that we haven't talked about tonight. And that is that big number five next to Xavier Johnson's name. And that is personal fouls. And that is the reason why Xavier only played 26 minutes tonight. You look at the starters, Cop 48, Trace 45, Race Thompson 45, Parker Stewart 39. You weren't getting a lot from your bench tonight. You know, Rob still isn't fully healthy. Christian Lander is getting better, but he's still a mixed bag in these moments. I firmly believe that if Indiana has Xavier Johnson for more minutes in the overtime, they win. You know, he had nine assists. He was finding guys. He wasn't scoring tonight, but he was doing the best job of getting the ball where it needed to go against the zone. And again, if it was a one-time thing, not that big of a deal. But right now, Xavier Johnson's fouls committed for 40 minutes, 5.5. And that is, you know, more now. Last year at Pittsburgh, it was 4.4. He's always been a guy who's fouled a decent amount. But it's off the charts right now. And, you know, and as much as we love just, Rob and, and, and as much talent as Christian Lander has, he's got to be on the court in these games. So and, those two things right there, him being on the court more and Race Thompson taking better care of the ball, it would have led to an Indiana win tonight. And it's going to be the difference between wins and losses moving forward. Yeah. And it's on the Xavier Johnson fouls thing. A lot of them are silly. They're, you know, guarding with his hands instead of his feet. He's a veteran. He should know not to do that. It, being handsy with a guy like, I'm sorry, the one he fouled out on, you could say, well, you know, guys grab each other away from the ball, but he literally it's had foul, two hands. Yeah. He had two handfuls of Jersey at one point. They're going to call that like yes. whether it's it, whether it's worth the foul call or not, you know, like, like whether, whether officials should let that go. Cause guys do it on every play. If you grab two handfuls of Jersey at one point, they're going to whistle you. Like there is no, they don't care that you have four fouls. Um, so some of them are just silly and he gets into, we've seen he's get, he gets into kind of talking things with guys and then he kind of bumps them. And, you know, if he, if he makes a bad play on offense, sometimes he goes and tries to you know reach for a steal or something. He's just got to be more settled than that. If you're the veteran point guard of a big 10 team, you got to be more settled than that. And Mike Woodson's mentioned that as well. It's, it's something he's got to be focused, more focused about. 
And you're not going to change his stripes. He is who he is. Of course. But you've got to reel it in like 5%. <laughs> like he, if he was on the court for five more minutes tonight, coach, I think Indiana wins. And so those, like at the margins, these are the things that have to get better now as Indiana is getting ready to enter Big Ten play. Uh, I, I think both things uh, obviously have to get better. Uh, I wrote down uh, in the last four minutes, um, we're, we're seeing the Xavier Johnson experience. Uh, and, and we might just have to get used to it. I, I don't know if you can cleanse him from his uh, turnovers, uh, his fouling, uh, some of the focus issues that he's had in his career. But he had nine assists. Uh, and I believe Xavier Johnson really makes this team go. When he's playing well and on the court, Indiana is better. Uh, I did think Much Rob better. had a, I think Rob had a good run in in that second half um, after the second TV timeout um, when, when Indiana kind of got the lead back and forth. I thought Rob did some good things defensively, especially, but also moving the ball in the zone. Uh, and then, but the fouls, what they do, Jared, is Xavier sits for a while, and then he came back in and had two turnovers. Uh, because he was out of the the flow, uh, he wasn't in, in you know into that, and so not only is the fouls defensively hurt, but when you get out of a rhythm uh, as a point guard and, and sitting on the bench for that many minutes gets you out of a rhythm, and, and Rob has to play less minutes and play them well and then get out, uh, and then Christian has his role too. But Xavier's our point guard, and he can't be getting those silly fouls. The most silly one for me was when he tried to take that charge. We had two guys ready to contest the two, and he slides over and was totally moving, whether his foot was yeah. in the arc or not. And that one, he's just got to trust his bigs to swat that and then crack down on the weak side rebounding, which in the Marshall game, we gave up a lot of those, you know, missed blocked offensive rebounds for him. But um, it's going to be a struggle. And, and Coach Woodson talked about that early in the summer and at the Big Ten things. I'm trying to get my point guards to understand we're looking for some good point guard play. And, and he's obviously identified it and is working on it. And at times it rears its ugly head with all three of our point guards. That is something that needs to be fixed for us to maximize uh, this team. And they're clearly addressing it with who they're recruiting. You know, I mean, they've they right the guys that are coming in that they've recruited as point guards all project as kind of rock solid guys. Yep. But yes, it is going to be a roller coaster, you know, because, you know, to your point, I thought Rob did play good defense. I just don't think we're going to be able to succeed very often with Rob on the court without Xavier because Rob just isn't aggressive enough. And when he does get an advantage offensively, he's not able to, to take advantage of it. You know, there was a time in the first half where he was he broke inside the zone and he either had a little shot or he could have gone up for layup and he just he kind of passed it away. And it's like, Rob, yep. you know, you I, I agree that. And I don't, I'm not going to go back and watch it, so I'm not going to have anyone else go back and watch it. But I, <laughs> I specifically watched that that um, eight to four minute mark or, or whatever. I don't know. It was a, the 12 to eight minute timeout segment. I think he played some time there. He did have a fast break layup where he went by, didn't make a, a pass to TJD that would have been contested, scored a layup. He did drive in the lane and then feed someone. So I thought that was his best moment of plays, but it might be Rob can only get in there, play two or three, four minutes, and then get back out. Uh, longer stretches might not be his best uh, position, but that one stretch in the second half, I thought he really, really uh, was the Rob Finnessy that we need. Um, but that doesn't take away from your primary point is we need Xavier Johnson out there uh, in a 50-minute game more than the 28 minutes he was out there. Ryan, there's a note in the chat that you have numbers. I do. Oh, boy. You might be a okay. first in our 11-year okay. run. 
Well, uh, 46 to 31, Indiana dominated the rebound battle and that kept them in the game. I think, uh, especially defensively early in the second half, they were grabbing every single rebound. We're not giving second shot opportunities to Syracuse. I thought that that was a key to them getting back into it. Both trace and, and race Thompson were doing a really good job on the boards. Trace finished with 16 race Thompson with 12. Um, and they, they won the rebound battle by 15. Which How many is, offensive rebounds? Because that's always a key against the zone. Did were a lot of those offensively too? Too is that broken uh, down? Anywhere? Had, we had fourteen. Fourteen yeah, we offensive 14. rebounds. Uh, six for Trace and five for for Race. Uh, the other thing that I thought there were there actually two little things that I thought were funny. One is that Race Thompson. People saying this game was his fault or or whatever are morons because he was plus nine on the night. So well, <laughs> someone could no. call you a moron for putting trust in single game plus minus. So let's, uh, let's be no, careful. The, the you beat me one, to it. The other one I wanted to point out is that while Indiana did have 26 turnovers, they also had 26 assists. So they were moving the yeah. ball and they were, and they were getting, you know, 30, 26 assists on 38 field goals is excellent. You know what, one of the things sense. they have to do is they have to take this newfound freedom and play as loose and free as you can but as tight with the ball as you can. <laughs> so, you balance. know, I, at one point in the NBA, the, the leader in turnovers was Magic Johnson uh, because he was great at pushing the ball, but he was going to have turnovers. Um, so you just got to limit your number. And and some of the ones tonight were just ridiculous. Uh, yes. Spinning in the race, Thompson spinning in the air to find a pass at the, at yes. the elbow, loose little handoffs in the lane with long, you know, six foot Rob's, nine guys, arms out there. Rob's yeah. drive to nowhere into a crowd of three guys. Not securing the ball, loose ball or rebounds and having it poked away. That's what's going to be so disappointing on film. I think turnovers were the name of the game. The, if you wanted to just pick one stat, because look at, we shot better. We shot 40% from three. What were we from free throws? Uh, 23 of 31. Yoga is on, right? baby. You know. Um, shot 55% from the field. Rebounds, <laughs> yeah. assists. The one thing was our lack of intensity and focus in, in the first half and turnovers throughout the game. Turnovers reared their head at the last part of the regular, uh, of regulation and in overtime. Turnovers, turnovers. And it's a concern because it's been two or three games now. Well, and they're momentum been, killers too, Coach. I mean, yeah. when you're playing well and you turn the ball over, it gives instant momentum to the other team. And that's what, that's what sparks a run for another team, especially if, let's say, you have a 6-0 run, they hit a shot, and then you come down, turn it over. Well, now it's a six-four. You know, like right. you're automatically giving them points, and and the, yeah, they don't score off of. And I bet you're long. right, Ryan. If you go back to play by play, there were some times when we could have maybe got to four or five or six. Yes. yes. Once we got the lead, and I bet you'll find a, a really sloppy turnover. I know Xavier's uh, had a couple in that situation, um, and that's the stuff. Again, this team is is immature in handling the basketball right now. Oh, and no I, look pocket passes was, against yeah, the zone. And they need almost, to just be a little more disciplined in that it area. It's pretty much inevitable that this team was going to struggle with turnovers early in the season. You know, given their newfound freedom and playing, you know, with new guys, like I'll allow for having some turnover issues. But if you just remove, you know, Parker Stewart just throwing the ball out of bounds and Jordan Geronimo doing whatever the hell he was doing on his couple turnovers, like those three or four possessions. Tamar had like, one of those too. Tamar had one too. You know, you know, Lander had a turnover in overtime where he doesn't catch that pass that race. Yeah. And, and but you know what? He saw if he catches the pass, he's rifling a pass to Parker Stewart before he lands for a wide open three pointer. It's like you know that's the kind of turnover where a guy sees a play, he's trying to make a play, it Run doesn't lead to a run out the other way. It's like all right, I'll live with that turnover. 
offensive just throwing it out of bounds or some of the other ones. It's like there's no what you want with a turnover is you want some risk reward. You know, you want right. it to be like you're trying to make a play that it's going to be a good play if you make it and maybe the pass just isn't right. You know, like the, uh, you know, Lander had another one in the overtime where he threw that little lob to race Thompson because the Syracuse guy was loafing back and it almost got intercepted, but it's a bucket. So it's like, if that gets intercepted, if that guy is a quarter step quicker, it gets intercepted. Was that a bad play to make? No, I think the risk reward is good there, you know, but we had some turnovers where there was literally no reward. It was just, you know, kicking the ball out of bounds or doing nothing with it. If we just get rid of those. So that's the thing is you walk out of this game is it feels like there are real addressable concerns that can get better to make the team better, as opposed to so many post-game shows where we've come on here, and it's like, do these guys even want to be playing together? It's like, that's just foundational. You can't fix that. The stuff that lost Indiana this game is fixable. So feel good about that, Hoosier fans. Feel good about it. No matter how bad Ryan made you feel during his opening rant. Just being honest. (laughs) (laughs) It was controversial, though. It was very controversial. Um, all right, let's move I got on it down here. on paper. Yeah, well, got it down on paper. I'm gonna mail it to you. <laughs> Priority I'm go mail. Back and look at those adjustments and just see how aggressive they were. Oh, I don't think they were good, but, <laughs> they, but they made them. I mean, you said clearly. you said no adjustments. Well, I should have said no meaningful adjustments. That okay. that's, we agree now. Okay. I was on a roll, coach. Just let me go. All right. <laughs> all right. Hey, um, I'm in your corner all the time. I got got to find my spots. Coming up, it's time to hand out our game balls, the Hoosier Hustle Award. We'll get a lingering question from the audience, and then we'll talk about Indiana's next opponent. A lot still to do here on this show. Stick with us on the assembly call. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. 
And make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 9,000. We're nearing 10,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. Uh, the coach, Tony Adrania, is hard at work right now, banging out the post-game email that will be in your inboxes uh, tomorrow morning. Plus, we do the weekly roundup. You can join for free at join.assemblycall.com. That is join.assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Gentlemen, it is time for the game balls. Um, this is going to be an interesting decision, I think. I think there are two very distinct places that you can go with your game ball uh, that would both be good choices. And so we will let coach go first. Uh, oh, man. I, it's kind of <laughs> hard to give a game ball and a loss. And, and now you have like two or three choices. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense, you know, because it's a loss. Um <sighs> I'm going to go Miller cop. Uh, I, I, and maybe that's just glad to see that that's what we expected and, and what we need. And, and it came out, but, uh, I thought overall he did, um, a, a lot for this team. And, and we, we know trace Jackson Davis is going to bring it every night. The more that he, uh, cop and Parker Stewart can do what they did tonight. We'll be in a lot of games and compete for a lot of wins in the big 10. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Miller cop. I'm with you on Miller Cop. I actually thought without what he because and the reason why I go Miller Cop over Trace, even though Trace had better numbers and you know is the better player and was huge down the stretch, is I think if Miller Cop doesn't do what he does in the first half, the game might be out of reach by halftime. Indiana might be down twenty, and so I thought Miller Cop kept Indiana just within shouting distance and allowed them with that big spurt in the second half you know, to get it closer. And he continued to make big shots that once again, when Trace was able to come back in late, they were in a position to still be close enough to come back because of what Miller Cop did. Um, and obviously the big free throws down the stretch. So, and to me, it's, it's totally unconscionable that Miller Cop doesn't get a shot at the end of the first overtime. You know, he secured that rebound. He needed to get a shot somehow, some way he's got to get that shot. Cause I think Woodson everybody, they were trying to run the same play they ran in the second overtime for him. And it just, Yes, right. I'm I'm disappointed because you really feel like you really felt like it was going in because he just had that look on his eye, you know, look in his eye tonight. So Miller Cop gets my game ball, Ryan. Uh, I I'm gone. I, I think Miller Cop is a fine choice. I I think that he's the other guy, but I got to give it to Trace for 31 and 16 on national television to sort of continuing to announce his presence with authority as an All American and making that play at the end of at the end of regulation, you don't do that. You don't go to overtime. And so he made the biggest play of the game, in my opinion, by, by getting that rebound and, you know, going up. And I, I really wish he would have made it and had the end one, but uh, you know, he was fighting through some contact there and just had the, the stones to knock down both those free throws too. In a tough spot, the guy who struggled with his free throw shooting to make them both right there. That was an all American play. Those were all American free throws and it was an all American performance tonight, especially after, after banging his knee. So, so I'm watching the game and my wife and son were down here and as Trace got the ball for those, the two free throws at the end of regulation, I'm just watching him and I'm like, before each one of them, I was like, he's got it. He made it. And when he got the next two free throws in the first overtime, I just watched how he got the ball and how he set up for a shot. And I was like, he's going to miss it. He's going to miss it. I really, I think that probably within maybe about a 5% error I could predict whether Trace is going to make or miss his free throws just based on how he sets up for them and kind of the focus, how he's focusing on the rim, how he sets up for his shot. When he's really focused on his free throws and his form is in line, it looks good and you just feel like it's going in. And then there's other times where it feels like he's just not quite as locked in on his focus on the free throws. And I feel like he, if he could just fix that, you've got a really good free throw shooter there. 
So, you know, those free throws in, in the overtime would have been big for him to get to, but the two that he hit uh, at the end of regulation, obviously huge. All right, it is time now for the Hoosier Hustle Award. The Hoosier Real Hustle Award. Sponsored by our friends at Evansville Security Services, based in the hometown of IU legend Calvert Chaney and hopefully future legend Christian Lander, Evansville Security Services provides off-duty police officers to businesses and individuals throughout Indiana, Remember, prevention cannot be measured. So let Evansville Security Services help you prevent a bad outcome today. Go to EvansvilleSecurityServices.com to learn more. That's EvansvilleSecurityServices.com. Who's your hustle award, Ryan? Who gets yours? Well, if I can't, if 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 Trace doesn't win the the player of the game, I'm giving him the hustle award for all the for the 45 minutes he put 45 minutes of work he put in and 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 everything he did. So I'm going to go with Trace there, I guess. Yeah, Trace is my Trace. Pick. Yeah, yep. this one's. I mean, he. Gosh, just the fact. Okay, what were your thoughts when he's writhing around in pain on the ground? I mean, outside of obviously just feeling awful for him and all, just the how bad you would feel for him. I mean, after watching the replay, I didn't think it was a season interrupt because they they knock knees. Maybe you get a bone bruise at worst or something, but I knew it wasn't like a ligament or something like that. That happens all the time, and you cannot walk for a few minutes afterwards if you hit it really hard like that. And it's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people who played basketball or, you know, any of the you know sports like that. You bang knees, it really hurts. And once they showed the replay, I was like, okay, he's going to be fine. Maybe at worst, he misses a game or two with a bone bruise or something, but. Um, I, so I was not feeling terrible about it. I did think he was going to miss the rest of the game, which I thought game over, obviously. And then when he came yeah. back in, obviously he just was fantastic. I, uh, I was thinking this is honest. But my honest thought was, oh my gosh, we got to do shows the rest of the year without Trace Jackson Davis <laughs> post game shows. And we were so looking forward to even in games like this, where we lost this is so much more enjoyable than what we've been doing in the past um, with long losing streaks and everything that that was the first thing. One, obviously you want the young man to be okay. Let me, let me backtrack. But, but once he, he, he was out and, and I thought, Oh my gosh, this year that we were so looking forward to, we, we had seven, six games. Uh, and then I was actually shocked. They put him back in cause it was down eight or nine with, you know, two or some minutes. I thought, man, do you want to risk further injury? Um, but obviously it was a, a knee on knee situation, uh, and nothing that he could injure. They would not risk him in that situation, but, um, yeah, that was, that was gut wrenching, uh, to, to sit here and watch. Let's hit some lingering questions here. Andrew says, are we seeing a trend with Parker Stewart shooting? Absolutely. Six for 12. This is a guy who we know that he can make shots. He's much better as a catch and shoot guy than off the dribble in his history. And that's the role he's playing at Indiana. Now, I don't think he's going to get 12 attempts every game. You know, part of that is playing against his zone, and he was ready for him tonight. But yeah, Parker Stewart so far on the season, he is shooting 47.4% on 38 attempts. And I would say keep getting him more shots. As yep. many three-pointers as he can handle, you want to keep giving them to him. So All yes, reversal, I I, get the pass right at his chest, he's going to make it. Yes, I don't know that the he'll shot shoot 47.4%, you'll, you'll, but... Coach, you'll, you'll agree with this. His shot is the same every single time he shoots. Oh, it's pure. Yeah. Every single time. He, he, he and Miller Cop, just nice form. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't get a whole lot of elevation, uh, but who cares when it goes in? Um, yeah. And it's going to be really nice. It's going to be really nice because they're going to have to really double. People are going to double. Purdue's going to double. 
they double everyone. Uh, teams are going to have to double TJD, or he's just going to – I mean, Marshall waited until I, well, the last 10 minutes or so to try to double him. Um, and then you're going to be able to have to kick it out and, and shoot the three. And and Cop and Stewart are heating up uh, just in time for, for Big Ten season to get started, and, and that's going to be a plus. Who's the last guy that you felt as confident when he shot the ball that it was going in? JBJ? No, probably. Jordy for me. Holes. Holes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, holes. Because because JBJ would go on O of eight stretches sometimes and then hit six of seven. You know, so that was I always I was always kind of questioning whether he JBJ shot from the parking lot though, dude. He He never he never passed up anything, so you had to feel somewhat confident. Yeah. James Blackman Jr. slander. That guy had a beautiful shot. Come on. He did. Oh, he had a gorgeous shot, but he would also go in ruts where he would miss a lot in a row and then hit a bunch in a row. It wasn't like a, a steady, like, you know, you always felt like in, until the end, obviously, holes would hit like two of five, three of seven in a game. You know, he'd always make a couple. He was never going to do, you know, take an over. Hmm. Okay. Uh, let's do one more here. And this is from Stuff and Things because it is the biggest storyline coming out of this game. Can anything be done to address turnover issues midseason? Maybe just more playing time together and building chemistry. Coach, yes. I think a lot of times you're going to see teams struggle early with turnovers, especially a new system and with a roster this new. I do think this is going to get better. I'm not, I'm concerned about the turnover issue, but I'm not panicking about it yet. Uh, two things. Uh, get Iowa on the schedule um, because they don't play any defense and, and our turnovers will drop and that'll make us all feel better. Uh, honestly, you got to work on it in practice. You got to emphasize it, a lot of film. But the question is, the real serious thing is you don't want to pull back on their their freedom because this is a fun team and they're going to have to play somewhat free and easy. So it is a fine line. Yes, he makes them run if there's 12. But if you become hesitant, because you don't want to go over 12 turnovers, you're going to miss opportunities. And Jared, your description of risk reward earlier is something the coaches are going to have to decide with this team. How's the best approach to bring this number down? They turned the ball over against Louisiana. Louisiana got up in their grill. They turned the ball over against the two, three zone and not just any zone. Uh, Bayheim recruits to it with long, lengthy guys. Uh, other teams that'll play two, three zone won't present what Syracuse uh, presents. So it's the, the high turnovers that come at, different defenses for the first time. So maybe the more experience they get, the more film they get, the more emphasis. But boy, I don't want Woody to harp on it so much to where we don't play as free uh, offensively. And that's part of race's problem. He's having a lot more opportunities to do stuff with the basketball than he ever was trusted before. And ultimately, that's a good thing. When this starts coming down and that freedom stays, then you're going to see very efficient offense. And that's a hope. I can't guarantee that. I wish I could. But you just got to keep keep plugging away and keep teaching. One of the things about coaching that that I like to talk to our staff about and every staff, you got to keep teaching, teaching, teaching. No matter what the result is, no matter how disappointed you are, no matter where you're at, find the the things for this week, teach, and then build the next week and teach and teach and teach. And I think that's what Woodson's all about. By the way, if your answer to the question that I asked wasn't James Blackman Jr., it better have been Yogi. <laughs> So yeah, shame I, on I all totally of you on who Yogi. didn't pick Yogi instead. Yeah, Yogi, Yogi's the answer. I'm sorry, guys. I completely <laughs> blanked on Yogi. Uh, which wasn't always the case, but by his senior year, you did have he was money. great faith in, in Yogi. Especially if he was dribbling into it on the break. Man. Well, I feel better after doing this show. I was really just 
darn near despondent when that game, when that final buzzer went off. He was he was saying gosh, some things he won. can't say on the air, folks. <laughs> it was it was quite surprising, Ryan. Uh, you know, from our leader uh, to hear such such language to start the show uh, that wasn't live. It was behind the, the sirens. Scenes. You heard were the language police. It, yeah, it was a I, raw moment. I thought, you know, I believed we were going to win. I'm guessing they all were probably saying the same things to themselves as they were walking to the locker room. So, you know, it hurts more when you actually believe in the team. Yeah. You know, because then you're like, damn, you know, I was expecting to win. I should have win. It's different when you just feel like every game is a march to disappointment. Here's you know, another this one. This wasn't that. Yeah. No, this wasn't that. But it was disappointing nonetheless. Uh, okay, so coming up, what a tune-up with Big Ten play starting on Saturday. Uh, before that, we have Assembly Call Radio on Thursday night, so we'll have a good lineup for you there. I think Andy will be here for that. Someone will be here for that. We'll have two or three people here for Assembly Call Radio on Thursday night, as we always do. And then Saturday for the Nebraska game, Indiana opens Big Ten play. Uh, do any of you guys have thoughts on the Cornhuskers real quick as we oh, look to see what they've done so far this year? A Saturday morning game. Wonderful. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Won't you be excited? Here's here's a concern. I haven't watched them play, but... Hoiberg likes to spread people out and drive and find mismatches. And what has Indiana struggled with? Containing the bounce. So Parker Stewart, Miller Kopp, who are they going to match up with? Um, Hoiberg hasn't been successful, but he runs some good stuff and usually keeps Nebraska in a game. That has me concerned, the dribble drive action uh, that Nebraska has run in the past. Yeah. We'll see if the Hoosiers are ready. I, You know. It'll be interesting to see how they come out in that game. You know, this is one of those games you hope, again, you hope that the team takes positive stuff from this and that it doesn't linger. And I think they will. Um, but, you know, we'll see. It's going to be a big test. It's, you know, the Big Ten opener. That's a, you know, look, that's a home game against Nebraska. Obviously, if you have thoughts of being an upper division team in the Big Ten, that's a game you have to win. Especially, well, we're not going to talk about the game that's coming after that. Although Go one to know in the Big Ten. That's a that's a streak that we need to break. Also, um, all right, guys, uh, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember to check out our friends at Home Field Apparel. Use the promo code Home H O M E at checkout to get fifteen percent off your first order. Guys, it is time for last call. Let's get some final thoughts on this double overtime loss. Ryan, why don't you go first? Disappointing. Just incredibly disappointing that they couldn't pull this one off. But as I said earlier, I mean, the heart and and uh, determination they showed in the second half and the ability to just, again, it wasn't some crazy sprint where they just, everything went wrong for Syracuse and everything went right for Indiana. It, it was a methodical approach to chip away at that lead consistently and get it back. And uh, then, you know, you had your star make some star plays down the stretch to, to get you into overtime. Uh, disappointing the way they started. I mean, honestly, that is something that's got to change. I don't know what it is, but that that start is unacceptable. And that first half was unacceptable completely. Uh, they just look lost, completely lost against a team that you know exactly what they're going to do. And so that it was a tale of two halves. They scored 55 points in the second half. It, it, you know, were incredible offensively, played much better defense. The first half, let's just burn the tape and forget it happened. Um, that not the team, the team needs to watch that tape repeatedly to be reminded of what happened. But for us, <laughs> let's never watch it again. Um, but you just hope they can build on this. Look, this is a disappointing loss and there might be a little bit of a hangover from it. Um, because especially because it went to double overtime and it was their, you know, another big game for them. Uh, this is one they wanted to have and they didn't get it. 
It's a tough place to play. It's a tough team to play. Regardless of their record, it's always difficult playing Syracuse because of the way they play is not like anybody else. Um, so yeah, a difficult, difficult loss. I think Indiana put itself in a huge hole and uh, fought as hard as they could and fought valiantly to come back, but came up short. Um, Got to be better. Got to be better in the next one. But there are encouraging signs because of what happened in that second half. Hey, coach, real quick, bracketology-wise, you know, Ken mm-hmm. Palm rates games. This game is rated as an A. I mean, it's a road game against a top 75 team. Syracuse isn't great, but they're probably a bubble team. Like, this is a game that if you win, it kind of helps because it shows that you've won a road game. So there's an opportunity cost to losing it. But this isn't going to be one we don't anticipate Syracuse to be bad enough where you're looking at this as like a uh, an eyesore on the resume, right? No, uh, you just hope they don't, you know, continue to go south. They were thought by a lot of us to be six, seven, eight seeds starting the season uh, because of the way they ended and, and having Buddy uh, back. As you saw, when he's ready, he could take over a game, and he did take that over tonight. Um, they lose to Colgate like two days before they go to the Bahamas. Then when you lose two games in the Bahamas, that's nothing really. Auburn and and I forget uh, who else uh, they lost to. Not bad programs. Anytime you have a three-game-in-a-row um, tournament, so you, you kind of can't look at those as you would three games in a row with spacing. Um, I wouldn't be – Syracuse is always in the tournament. It's always a bubble team for us at Delphi Bracketology, and we always don't like them because are they in, are they not in. But that's a top 45, 50 team. If that's the case, it won't, it won't hurt us. Um, it would have been nice. Uh, we only have another opportunity against the power five. The big issue is that the non-conference schedule does not have a lot of marquee quad one quad two type wins available. Um, which means you're going to have to win 12 or 13 big 10 games and the big, and you're going to have to beat some teams on the road in, in order to get some good wins, uh, from a bracket, uh, situation, but Syracuse, uh, it was a disappointing team to this point, but they have the capability to be good. And especially in that ACC, they can get up to fourth or fifth in the ACC quite easily, um, especially if they shoot the ball like they did early. So that, that's something to remember, too, is you see the record, and you know they lost to Colgate and all that stuff, but you got to throw some of that stuff out uh, early early season. Um, you know, this, this, was a, this was a good team. I think IU is better, uh, should have been better, and should have won the game. And the team showed up in the second half that I expected. That That's my final thought. The team showed up in the second half, and, and they just can't do that. Um, uh, you can't do that against opponents that are good on the road and expect to win. That That's the disappointing thing, um, you know. And then the one final thought we didn't talk about, it. someone in the chat mentioned it, TJD had that final play stopped. Uh, Lander was trying to do the right thing and trying to fly back and, and get and get a block and Lander files. But I don't think that guy scores because TJD walled up really, really well. And But that's why you don't double the ball uh, in that situation. You can put foot. pressure and turn them to try to eat up some clock. So if that was a coaching decision, I'm sure they're going to be hating that on the fly back if, if Tamar went early because that's what they were doing to get back in the game. They were trapping. And then once it got over half court, they were fouling. So either they didn't call it off or Tamar thought they were still in it. One of those two things happened regardless, bad execution, bad communication. Uh, that needs to be fixed. But, man, I, I like watching this program right now. And I'm going to try to focus on that and try to keep perspective because um, Indiana lose some more games. Um, but this is a lot more fun this year than it, than it was last year, especially the way they came back. 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's, perspective is so important. You know, we're all so excited about the new direction of the program, so excited about some of the play that we've seen from this team in spurts, you know, and you start thinking about getting a win and you're 7-0 and heading into Big Ten play and, and how great that is. You know, and we want... <sighs> We want everything to happen now. You know, we want to be back to, you know, being a top 25 team now and being a contender in the Big Ten now. And, you know, look, this is a program that right now, just for perspective, is ranked 31st in Ken Palm that has not finished that high in Ken Palm in the last five, six years. You know, so this program has a ways to go. And clearly right now they're not ready to win a road game at Syracuse. But they showed us some things tonight that we haven't seen in a while. Some shot making some fight, some togetherness, you know, some ab- ability to weather adversity and to, to make big shots in key situations. And the fact that they're all American and their leader is living up to those, you know, those preseason expectations. So I understand everybody's disappointment. I feel it. I think we're always going to look back on this game as a missed opportunity that Indiana should have won because I think we believe and rightly so, that Indiana is a better team than Syracuse. But all that mattered is that Syracuse was the better team overall tonight, in large part because they just played better the first 20 minutes. Uh, and that's disappointing. But I think there's some positive things to take from it. And so we'll have to see three weeks, four weeks, five weeks down the road, you know, what was this game a harbinger of? And hopefully it's a harbinger of a team that continues to make shots, that continues to fight, that continues to grow together. Because if they do, they've got a high ceiling and they've got a lot of potential to be better. Um, unfortunately they just couldn't put it all together for 50 minutes tonight and come away with a victory, but we'll do it again on Saturday and hope to be better. All right. That will do it. Uh, if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. And don't forget to go to join.assemblycall.com to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music that you hear on the show. Special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs design for designing our logo Uh, And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday night and then again on Saturday. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Ferrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. I lined up all the 2013 guys for... The segments tonight. Christian Wofford, Jordan Hulls, Yogi Ferrell was hoping to exercise some demons. I love how much uh, thought you put into that. Like, truly, I'm not being sarcastic. I really do. The demons. You can never tell with me. But. The demons live on. Yeah. Demons. That's okay. Whatever deal we had to make with the devil for Keith Smart shot to go in, if it means that we never beat Syracuse again, and they're all either just completely, just complete ass whoopings or just total devastating games like this one, it's fine. We won the most important one, and we'll take that. And maybe at some point before we die, we'll beat Syracuse again. <sighs> we can only hope, my friend. We can only hope. <laughs> this is a game, if this is year two or three in the Woodson era, era we win by 10 or 15. Yeah, or it's the given, criticism. Given the same structure of the of the of the – teams i'm just saying that because there's so many yeah. players learning and so many coaches learning and they're all learning how to play together that that there's so many things that don't function well cohesively yet um yeah i agree with you i think it's a game we win by 15 or 20 or it's a game we lose and the the questioning is a lot more harsh on the postgame yes show. you know this is a i don't know it's the kind of game you lose in a coach's first season with a new roster and winning on the road is hard
So, especially at that place, that's a tough place to play. I know. And Jay was there, who's just bringing bad luck with him everywhere he goes. Thanks, Jay. That guy. That guy mm-hmm. needs to right, not fellas. go to any more games. <laughs> really? We're going really? to make a declaration. Who's who's on on Saturday? That is a good question. So, Coach has a game. Andy's daughter has a game. It's my wife's birthday. Uh, and so, I think right now, we're waiting to hear from Galen. If he's not going to the game, he's going to host. Uh, if not, then we'll figure we'll figure it out. I'm most likely not going to be because it's my wife's birthday. So I'm yes. If I need to in a pinch, I probably will. Um, but yeah, Jen says Hopefully Ryan it's a hosts. quick and dirty 45 minute show because they blow them out. You want to just do a solo show, Ryan? It can just be a, a complete rant. I'll set up Streamyard. All you have to do is literally all you would have to do is come in here and hit go live. But I wouldn't. Yeah, we've simplified this process so much. <laughs> Wouldn't have the music and stuff though. That's okay. We wouldn't need music. Um, but based on my based on the reaction to my rant tonight, the people would not like that. <laughs> you you know, it's you're the one that they love to hate. You know, every show needs a you know. Well, it's because I tell the someone truth. that does the if things people that don't you like do. Hearing the truth. I'm sorry. People want to hear sunshine and rainbows. Okay, but so, okay, but you you hide behind that. Sometimes it's not true. Coach had things written down tonight that disproved some of the things that yeah, you said, I mean, and they were on paper. First of all, I was emotional, and I said no, no. I meant no meaningful. <laughs> there was no meaningful adjustment. Yeah, they went four one, one flat for a little bit, and and it yeah. did nothing. It did absolutely nothing. Now that is true. That is absolutely true. And, and I'll tell you, Ryan, where I agree with you is when you have that one three one look to put a two-guard system up there, and what they tried to do was split the flood top it. guy. Yeah, they tried to flood it on the backside um, with two guys baseline and throw over the top, but that caused a lot of turnovers. Yeah. And, and an interesting concept Because Syracuse is, is athletic. Against a non-athletic team, you can throw that over the top. Right. And the, the length. And so uh, both of those things, and then the high ball screen didn't work either. So, yeah, there was – I don't think they were very efficient. Um, here's an interesting thing against zone, too. Is some people, I, I've always been taught uh, odd man front, even even front for your offense, just yes. do opposite. But um, I won't say where I got it from, what coach, because it's a, a rival. But when I was learning uh, the game Damn. of basketball, um, to match up like a 3-2, play a five out and put your best driver on the worst defender and just pass the ball around and tell your driver to go. He gets a step. And then they all got – it's a zone, so they all drop. Then you fire out to your three-point. It's It was so not traditional basketball. I had to yeah. sit there and, and think well, about and, it, and, and it makes sense that they'll match up, and then you can just put your best driver on their worst defender, and you got to – Yeah, that's the thing is you can set your guys up wherever yeah. you want against the zone and those guys will have to be there. They're not going to switch sides midway because they trained to play that side. So uh, I, Tony posted it today and he was talking about how Syracuse is it's a, it's nominally a two, three zone, but it changes its look all the time. Yep. And sometimes it's a three, two against when Indiana played them in the uh, NCAA tournament, it looked more like uh, back in 2013. I hate to bring that game up guys. I'm so sorry, but uh, it, it looked more like a three, two in that game more because they were playing high to, to come out to Watford and come out to Hulls and come out to Oladipo. And they, so, you know, it, it really does shift depending on, you know, what they're doing. And today what they had, they had the two, they, they did the one, three, one look for a little bit, but they also had the two and two at the bottom. And then they had buddy Bayheim playing up, as like it yep. was almost like a two one two, 
almost to, to yeah, take it was almost a four out one in defense too. They had spread those yeah. when we started hitting threes at the start of the second yeah. half. Then the adjustment was to bring those forwards up, and it was four guys above the free throw line, and yeah. that's when we went high low for um, which quick, is the obvious dunks, move. Yeah. Which is yeah, if you're going to allow it in there, um, that's that's why Syracuse doesn't play great defense. They Never gimmick has. you. They gimmick They're like you 181st they right. in adjusted defense efficiency this year. But they use their length. The, the, yeah. When they block they always have athletic shot tall in the championship, they have a 6'11 guy who can run out, and he's got a 19-foot stretch and block Heinrich's three in the corner. Well, every high school coach in Indiana wanted to play 2-3 zone after Indiana, and they were playing 2-3 zone with a 6'1 center who had chubby little arms and couldn't get out to cover the corner. It's not the same. The, he does a good <laughs> – it's the truth. It's a good. You can't specifically put a chubby guy picks, in the 2-3 zone. He specifically picks players to play that zone, too. Exactly. Like guys like Michael Carter-Williams. That guy That guy had yeah. very little discernible basketball skill. He's a point guard, but he really couldn't do a whole. He couldn't shoot. He wasn't a great ball handler as a point guard, but he was like 6'5 with like a 6'9, 6'10 yeah, wingspan. Absurd he was great length. on the perimeter. And then offensively. I read something um, in the athletic or something. Bayheim doesn't do much athletic, and you saw it today. It's bully ball, dribble in, yeah. shoot. If someone helps, pass. Uh, okay, we'll run a high ball screen, or high we'll just screens, run you off two yeah. pin screens, catch they and pinch shoot. On the shooter, yeah. It's it is open gym on offense at Syracuse, and that's why they say they always get better at the end of the year because then they figure out who who can shoot and who can pass to, and, and the then that zone works playing with each other and. You, you win on a first round and have to play Syracuse with one day prep. It's hard. It's just hard. That's why they make their runs. It just makes yeah, me sick to my stomach. The stupid program. By the way, hit a milestone today. You want to hear about it? Yes. Lost 30 pounds since the summer. Have you really? Oh, yeah. wow. You that got awesome. me by three. Damn. I'm only at 27. I'm on a plateau right now. Job, Holy crap. Coach. I need to get some work done. I am... Since July the direction. Okay. Yeah, I weigh less now than I did when I lived in Bloomington. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Congratulations. Your turn, Thank Jared. You. I had to tell somebody. Yeah, it is my turn. It That's really great. is my turn. That's great. That is awesome. You're young enough, uh, you know, so that'll add some years. I'm trying to just stay alive for, you know, 10 years of assembly call radio. <laughs> Yeah, so Jen said, uh, yes, most of it is uh, is is beard weight. Yes. I, <laughs> yes. That is, that is, in fact, true. All right, y'all. Well, it was fun. It's always good to get on here and work out the emotions in real time in front of hundreds hey, of people. That's <laughs> hey, quick, quick story. We're, we're playing Kokomo first game, and I had said something earlier. We were talking about Western basketball and what do you do? We man-to-man team, play a little 1-3-1. I made a guy. I better not say anything because – a lot of people watch, and I don't want Kokomo hearing it. So I go to Kokomo, and their scorer, the scorebook dude, the official scorer said, I love watching Assembly Call Show, and I just want you to tell I didn't tell our new coach what you said on Assembly Call Radio about <laughs> what defense you were playing. Because what's said on Assembly Call stays there, even though I'm from Kokomo. That's I said, oh, awesome. my gosh, thanks. It's very nice of him. That yeah, is awesome. Thanks, hey. So, so that was pretty cool. A podcast has got to have a code. And that is our code right there. What is That's said right. on the assembly I reveal call some stays. <laughs> stays stays in here. That's awesome. By the so, way, also good for perspective since we try to be balanced here. Campbell is correct. We took Florida State to overtime last year and said we had some fight. I do remember that. It's true. <laughs> I do remember that. 
But this does feel come different on, to, than that. I've yeah. kind of blacked out. We last appreciate year, you, so Campbell, but yeah. come on. <laughs> uh, hey, last thing. Last thing, Ryan, congratulations on the rebirth of USC football. Thank you. And Thank sorry you. to what all the fans out there. That was a great hire. Uh, and also I, a great yeah, move by Lincoln not, Riley. Look, what a smart move I, by him. I've got some I've got some inside uh, a lot of like inside sources at USC. None of them let me know this was coming because they kept it such a little and and when he says that he only talked to USC on Sunday. He's absolutely telling the truth. Now they've they, got it done, didn't it? They put they put up a, a you know a trial balloon early in the year uh, to him when they fired their coach, and they you know that's when you reach out to all the top coaches and like, hey, would you be interested? And Riley was basically like, you know, I'm I'm not going to talk about it during my season. So Indy, so USC waited until literally the moment his season was over and called his agent and said, Hey, what's, what's going on? Is he willing? And he didn't talk to them. And I think his agent told him what was going on. And then, uh, the Sunday morning, he finally talked to them and it took, it all came together about 12 hours, which is unbelievable. But I guess when they're giving you whatever it is, like $12 million a year, it comes together fast. I think that's, that's, that's as good a hire as they could have made. You know, I've always thought the unfettered movement of college coaches sucks. It's a little bit more equitable now that players can move. Yes. Um, But just objectively stepping back, both Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly are making smart decisions. I completely agree. I I just I just want to go on the record that I will not be the next host of any kind of Purdue podcast. (laughs) So next question. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. No, but you're right. And, And look, the one thing about USC is, first of all, his his daughters can go to some of the best private schools in the world in LA. And I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, they're going to live on the beach. They're going to, you know, build their life there if they want to. Um, and, and the thing is USC is a world-class university. That's a really easy sell to parents uh, when you're recruiting, you can get the kids. Half the their recruiting class was from California anyway. Yeah. You know? And that's the thing. He's Oklahoma's, I mean, yeah, he's been recruiting the hell out of California and Oklahoma and a bunch of kids already just flipped to you or about to flip to USC because they wanted to go to USC. But, you you know, they love USC. They grew up rooting for Reggie Bush and Pete Carroll and all those guys. But USC has been a dumpster fire for so long. They couldn't commit there. Um, but yes, I think that I, I really think that he's making a move. The other the other movies making is he's going to the Pac-12 where yes. he will have a backstroke to a college football playoff spot. Because that conference is so. Don't bad. you underestimate Kalen DeBoer? Don't I, you underestimate? Kalen I love DeBoer, that hire. Huh? By the way, love <laughs> that hire. Uh, and he's going to get his yeah. quarterback too, who just entered the transfer portal. But um, no, great. And then look for Brian Kelly. Uh, Notre Dame is a great job. They will get a great replacement head coach. But LSU, you can compete for a national championship every single year with the talent you'll get there. It is a step above what you can get at Notre Dame. And they're paying him $9.5 million a year. And if you know anything about Notre Dame athletics, they are a little bit cheap when it comes to paying for the top coaches. They were not going to match $9 million a year. They weren't going to do it. And so he's doing that. He's getting the the godfather contract. And he's going to a place where, look, if you recruit the way you're supposed to at LSU, you can compete for a national title every single year. Every coach who goes there wins a national title. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and and the thing is that Brian Kelly has been close with Notre Dame, but he doesn't get the same players they get in the South. And every time he faces an SEC team, he, they get smacked. And Mm -hmm. 
or Clemson or, or one of those, you know, Clemson in the, in, 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 when they're, when they're rolling, I mean, they get smacked. And so it's, he wanted to go somewhere. I think he was tired of losing those games because he didn't have the caliber of player, the same caliber of player. So he's going to do what he's well, going to do. Gets stale after a decade. You know, it's like the Buzz Williams principle, leave after six, seven years while it's still on the upswing, you know, where yeah. they're kind of sorry to see you go. It's Notre like Dame it wasn't like, going to get any better than where they've it's been. It's like Breaking Bad. They could have gone with Breaking Bad for 20 years. They ended it in a tight, you know, like sometimes you got to do that. And look, credit to Brian Kelly for bringing Notre Dame back. I mean, that place was a mess for so long and they just could not get it straightened out. They couldn't get the right guy. Uh, they'd have a little bit of success and then fall off the map. I mean, it just didn't work for a long time. And he made it a perennial national power again. Um and and you know what? If Notre Dame and the other thing, there was the rumors that like he's been pushing for upgrades to the facilities and everything in Notre Dame, the administration's pushing back at him and stuff. And I think, you know, after a while you get annoyed with having to push uphill. Like, look how much money our football program brings you. You need to, you know, make this better because I can't compete. When I when I have a recruit coming, I'm dealing with bad weather. A, a, a small town that nobody lives in. Yeah, the campus is beautiful, but where are they going to spend most of their time? In the football facility. If it doesn't match up to my opponents, how am I supposed to get this kid and get the kids on the level of a national championship? So um, I think they both made smart moves. I agree. and uh, But I think Oklahoma and Notre Dame will end up with good coaches. I mean, it's got to be Coach O to OU, right? It's just too perfect. <laughs> Uh, after what happened at LSU, no, that's not happening. No uh, tags. So. <laughs> oh, no tags. There we go. We got a Coach O impression. Very nice. Okay, um, well, you came for uh, the IU Syracuse analysis. Stay for the football, college football, college football. Analysis. If this, uh, if the back home coin um, goes like expected, then you're going to buy a house for us uh, in Bloomington called the Assembly Call House, uh, and then Absolutely. we can host our get-togethers there. And and somebody will have to live there. And- Somebody yeah. will have to live there at some point all year round. Yes. We'll just, we'll just yeah, hands, exactly. Hands and then we could, you know, rent out spare bedrooms, uh, <laughs> game watch parties. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's part of the deal. I think it is. It'll take us all a right. while to get there, but we'll get there. So I'm hosting Thursday night, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Tony, so I think, uh, let me double check this, but I think Coach Ajanya will be there, so we'll get his thoughts. He said yes. So he said yes. And then uh, I think Andy's around, which is good. It's always nice to get some new new thoughts on AC Radio from whoever was on the postgame show from the previous one. All right. And, and one last question. How, how was the internet for me? I'm plugged in now. Great. But the good. last you time I good. plugged in, you guys said it was still choppy. No, you said uh, great all night. I to do with hosting, Coach. Because like, Andy's gets choppy when he hosts, too. I wonder, like, um, I've had to update loop, de- loop, uh, all that stuff. The loop back. amoeba, yeah. And I had, I just updated the music, the Farajo, and it's now compatible with uh, the oh, new. Well. So maybe it wasn't compatible because I noticed it was always coming out of music. When the yeah. music played, then the next minute or two was awfully choppy. Yeah, Zoom um, handled music a lot better than Streamyard does. So right. that that could be part of the issue. Um, so I've done what I've done what I I could do. I have a hundred foot, uh, forty five feet away, and I have a hundred foot line running through my house. Uh, yeah, dangerously. So yeah, and he's um, good. Andy's Andy's working hard to get his better too. So okay. I appreciate you guys fighting through that with us. It's not not easy to listen to all the time, but we appreciate. And my backup that. plan is just going to my classroom and using the school Wi Fi. No, you sounded good. So. Yeah, you sounded good tonight. You sounded good tonight. All right. All right, All right, Jens. Peace, everybody. 
See y'all. Thanks for being here, everybody. Go Hoosiers. I don't like carrots. <laughs> See y'all. <laughs> yeah.